We'll turn again in God's Word uh, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And our text is particularly verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. In order to look at this text this evening, we're going to really work our way backwards. We're going to start with doing good, working back to what it is to be weary, and then finally we'll come to the command itself and seek to understand what the whole means. So first of all, what is it to do good? Well, the word or the phrase here, doing good, is is really one word in Greek. But it's got the idea um, of things that are beautiful, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy, things that are approved, things that are honourable. These are the things that we are to be doing. And it covers a wide variety um, of different things. But in order for something to be truly good, it must be done out of love for God and for his glory. There is a distinction between what we are able to do, or should I say enabled to do as Christians by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit, versus what the world does. Yes, the world can do things that um, are good for society. The world can do charitable things. But only Christians can really do good because our hearts have been changed. Our hearts love the Lord. Uh, Yes, we may say, I don't love him with all my heart at all times, but we hope to do that. We long to do that. And so a Christian alone is able to truly do good for the love of God and for his own glory. And there are a variety of different scenarios in which we might be able to do good uh, to to other people around us and even to ourselves. And um, this evening I'll I'll, I'll mention this uh, context here in 2 Thessalonians 3. But there are other verses that I want to take in. And the verses all relate to one another because they all speak about doing good and weariness in the midst of those things. So I hope in, as I work through these verses, you'll see the, the connection between them and see how they align themselves. In many ways, I wish I could have, uh, we'd all be together and I could make a, a print out with each of the verses lined up beside each other and you'd be able to see quite clearly what I mean. But nevertheless, we'll work uh, through them. What are some of the ways in which we can do good? Well, here in, in 2 Thessalonians 3, we see the first one. It is in our work, our employment, what we do in the six days that God has given. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. Now, of course, some of you are retired, but, but no one is really retired because you still have jobs to do. You still have work to do, whether it's work around the house or work in your family. Maybe you're a, uh, a parent or a grandparent and you, you have a role to play. Or there's work to do um, in the community and in society and so on. But primarily here, we're focused on employment. What people do nine to five. What people do in order to earn their living. And particularly here in verse 10, it gives to us a principle. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. There is the biblical work ethic. Uh, there is the principle. If you're not prepared to work, don't expect to eat. Don't expect to live 
of other people's charity. We must work. God has made us, he's created us to work. And we do that in order to provide for our household. Uh, we, but we also do it as part of the creation mandate. When, when God made Adam and Eve, he made them as workers. He made them to, to fill the earth and to subdue it. They were to tend the garden, to look after it and to expand it. And just because of the fall, that doesn't remove that mandate. In fact, it continues. And the mandate is harder, yes, and we'll see that in due course. There are thorns and thistles and so on. But nevertheless, we're still to work. That is a good thing to do. And let's not forget that. Let's not think that only ministers do good jobs because it's a, a sacred calling, a holy calling. Let's not downplay uh, our own employment or your own employments uh, because all work is good if it is done to the glory of God. If, it's, if you do your work, whatever it is, because you love God and you want to see him glorified, that is truly a good thing to do. Martin Luther um, says, and I think very helpfully, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship. That's very true. We don't do our duties, our employment as Christians well, if we spend all our time talking about the gospel. Yes, I hope that you have time to talk about the gospel, but you won't get much work done if that's the sort of person you are. The best witness you can be is to work hard, work industriously, and do your work to the best of your ability. So that's an important thing. That is one way in which we can do good. No matter what your calling is, it's a noble thing if you do it to the glory of God. But then there's a second idea of what it is to do good. And that's found in Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10. It's charity. And charity in the broadest sense. So helping other people, loving other people, showing hospitality to other people, giving to other people. It says there, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It is a good thing uh, to give to others, to give of our resources, whether that's money or whether that's our hospitality, opening up our home, whether it's making a meal for someone who's struggling, whatever need others have that we can help with, it is good for us to give and to help. And um, of course, there are charities and there are many different charities in our nation. And not all of them are good. Not all of them should Christians give towards. But nevertheless, there are lots of good charities out there that we can donate to and seek to help. Let's not grow weary in doing this good. But then a third uh, thing that is doing good is in our own souls. That is sanctification. That is the work um, of conformity uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 4 touches on this. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed each day. There is a work of renewal going on 
in the lives of God's people. It's within. It's inward. First inward. Yes, it will come out. Yes, it will be displayed. Yes, people will notice the change in us. But it must begin inwardly. And we know ourselves that there's a great need for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. We know that there remains in us indwelling sin. There remains that corruption. Uh, and it, old things must be put off. New things must be put on in our lives. It is a good thing for us as Christians to pursue earnestly that holiness without which we shall not see the Lord. It's a good work. Then fourthly, another good work is prayer, a spiritual duty. Um, in Luke 18 and verse 1 it says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them uh, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Um, it is a good thing to pray. I hope you, you know that yourselves. It's good for you to pray as individuals, to pray in your families. And it's good for you to be here tonight. It's good for you to make uh, the prayer meeting a priority, to be found here when the congregation of God's people is, is praying, bringing their requests to God. Prayer is a great thing. God has called us to, called us to it, and it is a good work. But then fifthly, another way in which we can do good is through ministry uh, and through our witness to other people. 2 Corinthians 4 uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And of course, I think, first of all, there is that ministry of the gospel that I'm employed in. Preaching the gospel week in and week out. Seeking to impress upon lost souls the urgency, their need of Christ. But I'm not the only one responsible for that. The whole congregation of God's people share, in a sense, in the ministry. Not in the ministry as an office, a calling, but in the ministry of the gospel, in your own witness, in your own testimony to what Christ has done to your souls. So these things are the five examples. Work, charity, sanctification, prayer, and then our ministry or our witness. Five examples of doing things that are honourable, good, excellent and beautiful in this world and if we do these things truly for God for his glory out of love for him then these are good works and indeed as we could we could say God will reward them in his way so that's the first thing what is doing good but the second thing working again backwards in our text we see it tells us do not grow weary in doing good that, that shows to us that there's a possibility that we can grow tired of doing these good things. I've given five examples. There are more examples. But there's a possibility. And should we not say further, there's a tendency in our hearts to grow weary of doing these things. It's not just that it's possible for Christians to weary of good doing. But it's actually that we tend to, with time, if we're not careful, to grow weary in doing good. The word used here for growing weary, we could say exhausted. How often at times do we get tired, physically tired, drained of doing things that are good? But it also could have that more mental or spiritual attitude to it, spiritless, that we're just lacking spirit or losing heart 
for these things or or losing courage or we could translate it fainting we are fainting in our doing good these things are are possible and indeed often come uh, in, into the lives of Christians we can grow weary in the Lord's work and again we have these five examples that I've worked through with you think about work first of all your employment your calling whatever that is whatever occupies you in the six days of the week I think it's true that we all can grow weary you can grow tired of doing the same things day by day you can uh, look at what you're doing what God has called you to do and maybe you say I see no progress I don't see what difference I'm making I don't see why God has me doing this at this time maybe you're just tired of it all maybe life is just exhausting the pressures of life the deadlines the responsibilities of family all these things uh, make it difficult uh, perhaps you sit there in your employment or even in your retirement and you wish life were different you just wish that your life looked so different that you had different opportunities perhaps you look at other people and you say i wish i had their opportunities in life you can grow weary in what god has called you to do and it's not just that we can grow weary in those senses but we can also sinfully grow weary we we, we ourselves can make ourselves lose heart in these things because i think sometimes uh, we can just look around us for an easy life laziness uh, idleness uh, can, can cause us to be weary of what god has called us to do and that's particularly the problem here in second thessalonians 3 we see this idleness in the congregation and i think we take a step back and say there's also a theological component to it if you know the book books of first and second thessalonians uh, the people were were thinking about christ's second coming and they came to the conclusion that it was coming very soon imminent and therefore some of these people said well what's the point of working what's the point of engaging nine to five in activity if christ is coming it's pointless it's meaningless let's just give up our jobs and live our lives as we want and the problem in the congregation and you can see it for yourselves if this happened in our congregation those people who were idle who were lazy ended up depending upon the others they were taking the other people's food they were they were trusting in their benevolence rather than earning their own bread and it led to spiritual consequences of course verse 11 there are some of you some who walk among you in a disorderly manner not working at all but are busy buddies you see the devil makes makes work for, for idle hands doesn't he and, and so these people uh, because they weren't employed in their six days of labor they became busy buddies so that's a problem but we can grow weary of our employments just because of the tiredness of life the difficulties of life the pressures of life but we can also grow weary in doing good through our own sinful thoughts so that's the first um example we can grow weary in our employment but then what about what about the other uh, we had five of them what about charity what about giving what about uh, helping those who are in need especially those of the household of faith can't we grow weary of that too that perhaps 
you're someone who has given to charity, you've sponsored people, uh, and you look at what you've done and you think, has it really accomplished much? Maybe you've given to help people and they've become dependent on your benevolence, that they're like the Thessalonians, um, that they're not really working, they're just, they know that you'll bail them out, that you'll help them. Maybe they're misusing what you give and you think, should I be giving it at all? Or maybe there is a sinful component to your thinking uh, that you would rather not help other people because you know that in order to help others, you have to deny yourself. In order to be hospitable, you have to open up your home. You have to uh, uh, perhaps uh, lose out in some comfort that you would have. Uh, You can't have an easy life if you're prepared to help other people. Perhaps sometimes it's just selfishness that stops us helping people in need. Perhaps we've grown so used to a particular lifestyle that we must have it, that we can't even forego uh, the best biscuits in the shop and buy the, the cheaper store brand biscuits in order to use that extra money to help others, to give towards Christ's cause. No, we must have the best of the best. And so we're not prepared to help those in need. Not even those who are of the household of faith. We can grow weary in this calling and in doing what is good. The third example was sanctification. And friends, I think we know we can grow weary in sanctification. Um, we, We can grow tired of it. We know what we should be. And we know that that's precisely what we're not. And in 2 Corinthians 4 that I took earlier on. Particularly, it shows us there that sanctification comes through trials. They were hard-pressed. They were perplexed. They were persecuted. They were struck down. They were always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was affliction. And friends, I, I know at this time there's a lot of affliction in our congregation. And the reason for that is that Christ has decided that for this time, that is what we need. That is what we need. For you suffering as individuals, uh, Christ who would have you conform to his image has decided that this is what you need in your life at this time. Uh, And it's hard and it's sore. It is truly a difficult thing to go through. And you can grow weary of it. You can say, why has he chosen this for me? This is not what I want. I I don't want my life to be this way. Why am I facing these trials? Uh, But Christ has his reasons, of course. But it's not easy. We we grow weary. Um, Or there's also a sinful weariness in sanctification. Because we we can backslide. We can sin and then repent and then fall into sin again and get trapped in that cycle of besetting sins ensnaring us over and over again until we just give up and we say well what's the point what's the point of trying to keep a holy and circumspect life what's the point of trying to keep my heart diligently what's the point of of trying to to guard myself why not just give in and enjoy sin is it is that the sort of weariness that there can be amongst us um what about prayer this fourth example of doing good. Can't we grow weary in prayer? Do, do you not feel that yourself from time to time as individuals and in your families? Um, 
prayer is a difficult duty. I think of all the spiritual duties, it's one of the most difficult. Um, it's one of the most demanding. And it's the, the one that's first often to go in our lives. If we lose out one spiritual duty, it's often prayer first. And we grow weary of it. We can grow weary of praying personally. We can grow weary of, of disciplining us for that disciplining ourselves for that form of godliness we can grow weary in 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 setting aside time for prayer day by day we can grow weary of corporate prayer we can grow weary of coming to the prayer meeting i think at this time we recognize it's much easier to come to the prayer meeting than it used to be um we're not really gathering at at all in, in a sense we're sitting on our sofas and it's comfortable and it's so easy you can just if you've been at work there's not that pressure to get out the door um, so it should be it's, it is easier but what happens when we go back to meeting for prayer again what happens when you have to go out on a cold uh, wintry Thursday evening is it not true that sometimes we just grow weary of it that we're tired we know it's wrong we know we should be there we know that that's what is expected of us we know that that's what we vowed to do in our membership vows not to forsake prayer And yet it's difficult. And all the more, and particularly in the example I gave from Luke 18, the purpose Jesus said in that parable was when we don't see answers to prayer. We're praying for the same things over and over again. And it's as if heaven is deaf. There is no answer. We're not seeing the fruit of our prayers. And God says, if we have faith, we can cast mountains into the sea and we pray with faith and we don't see and we wonder is there any point in still praying maybe I should give up we grow weary in doing a good thing or as with these other examples there's a sinful response is there not it's possible for Christians to become self-reliant and therefore to have no need for prayer um, think about prayer There's there are different types of prayer aren't there there's prayer at stated times when we come before the Lord at the same time, maybe morning and evening, uh, at before meals and so on. Those are stated times. We always pray at those times. But there are other times when we pray. Um, those arrow shot prayers to heaven. When the moment uh, happens, when some something comes into our life and the appropriate response and the first response ought to be prayer. Not necessarily that we get down on our knees there and then and pray to God, but that inside our head, even with no one noticing, we immediately pray, Lord, help me. Think of Nehemiah, how he was before the king. And that's exactly what he did. Um, He prayed for help. And isn't that something that so quickly goes in our lives? Um, we, We lose that dependence, that reliance upon God. And when we lose that, form of prayer we quickly begin to lose stated times of prayer we begin to be formalists just simply going through the motions but not really trusting in God so we can grow weary of doing this spiritual duty but then that fifth example that we can grow weary of um, the ministry we can grow weary of witnessing we can grow weary of calling people to repentance and faith and um, and I think the reason for that is in Second Corinthians four, verse one, we're met with blindness. We present the gospel time 
and time again. And what happens? People are blind. They can't see. We speak to, maybe you speak to your family who are unconverted. And you think that you've explained the gospel carefully to them. You've had a wonderful opportunity that you thank God for. Uh, and you've been able to have a good conversation. And you think, surely they must believe. Surely they, they must be convicted by this. And what happens? They're blind. They can't see. Their hearts are hardened. They don't respond with faith. There's no repentance. There's no softening. Maybe even uh, there's a hardening. Maybe instead of continuing to come to church, they stop coming to church. They, they move away. Friends, can't we grow weary of doing this good? Can't we grow weary of telling people the gospel? Can't we grow weary as a congregation of witnessing and reaching out because we see time and time again no results and no fruit? Friends, these are five examples. And again, there, there are plenty of others. We can grow weary in any good work. We can grow weary of doing anything that God has called us to do. And I wonder, friends, we as a congregation, are we wearied at this time? Are we weary uh, of going through all these things, of doing all these things? Are we losing heart? Are we lacking courage? Are we fainting under all these pressures? Are we simply going through the emotions? Or are we truly seeking the Lord in these things? So that, those are the first two points. We have seen what it is to do good. I've given five examples. Uh, we've seen that it's possible. And indeed we have a tendency at times to grow weary in these things. But that leads us thirdly to the command itself. What does our text tell us here? Verse 13. Do not grow weary in doing good. It's a command. A command to you and a command to me. Don't grow weary in doing good. Um, now if we step to the side just for a moment and, and think of someone who's depressed, who's cast down. That person has a spiritual problem. Um, not necessarily that they've sinned, um, but it is a spiritual affliction. It's one that's affecting them in their spirits they, they could be responsible for it themselves or it could be something that simply is a circumstance in their life but it is still a spiritual problem because God tells us that we're to rejoice in the Lord indeed we're to rejoice in the Lord always and uh, the psalmist asks why are you cast down O my soul we know it's not the condition God would have us in God would have us joyful um, but if you've ever known anyone who's depressed, you know that you can't just simply say to them, cheer up. You can't just simply give them the command, don't be depressed anymore, don't be cast down. It does no good. And in fact, it's not actually compassionate at all. And so even though there is a spiritual duty, and even though that person should be exhorted to hope in God and to trust in him, just simply commanding them to do it doesn't solve the problem and I think in a parallel sense that's true of this command do not weary of doing good if you're here tonight and you're wearied in spiritual duties or wearied in your work or wearied in all these ways I've, I've talked on just simply by me saying don't be weary it doesn't actually do you any good at all as if you're just to pull yourself up have a stiff upper lip and just get on with it grit your teeth and continue going that's the last thing that you and I need to hear 
we need help from the scripture. And that's particularly what we're given. Isn't it wonderful that in, in the Bible, God doesn't just give us a bare command and leave it there. Um, he would have every right to do that, to tell us this is what you ought to do, go and do it. He has the authority to tell us to do that, but he never does. He gives us commands, but he also gives us promises and encouragements and hope and comfort. And that's what we see here. We can grow weary of doing good, but Galatians 6, which we referenced earlier, tells us that in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Particularly there in that context, remember, it was doing good to all, but even and especially to the household of faith. In due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There is a spiritual law at work. What you put in, you get out. You sow a seed, you, you get its fruit. If you sow corruption, you reap corruption. If you sow what is good, you'll receive what is good. Because the Lord rewards uh, those who seek him and who seek him diligently. What about affliction? We, we thought of how we're to pursue sanctification. We're to pursue that conformity to Christ. And in the context in 2 Corinthians 4, that sanctification came through affliction, through hard times in our lives. And I, I reference how they were hard pressed and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. But I didn't do justice to what it said because I only read half of the verse. Because it says there, we're hard pressed, yet not crushed. Perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted yet not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. You see, there's there's something that balances out the difficulties. Yes, we're afflicted in all these ways, but yet there's another side to the equation. There's comfort for us. And it ends there in that chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And isn't that so true? Friends, those of you who are afflicted at this time, and indeed we're all afflicted because we share in the affliction of, of the congregation. God has given light affliction. Yes, those of you going through the pain would not say it's light at this time. But doesn't that show you just how great and how surpassing the eternal weight of glory is. It will be far greater than the weight that is currently on you. The weight, the burden that's holding you down, that's making you weary of doing good. That which is discouraging you now, that's clouding your mind. That is nothing at all compared to the far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The Bible tells you, don't weary of doing good. Have perspective. Look to the things of eternity. But then what of the example of prayer? I said that that was one of the spiritual duties, the first spiritual duty often to go. It's the easiest one to grow weary of doing. And particularly when prayers are unanswered. Or they seem unanswered. Well that passage I referred to, Luke 18, where Jesus tells a parable that we ought to pray and not lose heart. Remember what that parable was. It was a widow who went to the judge time and time again to seek justice. 
She was relentless in asking him. I think we would be ashamed to keep asking as many times as this woman asked. So much so that she actually wearied the judge. We, we are more prone to weary of asking. But really when we pray to God, we ought to seek, in a sense, to weary him. We ought to seek to ask and ask and ask. I'm saying this, I don't mean it in this way, but to, to almost to wear God down until he finally relents and gives in. Of course, we know that the Lord has his purpose. We know that the Lord has his plan and we don't actually change his sovereign plan. But this is the way God works through the means of prayer. He wants us to persist in prayer. He wants us to come time and time again. He wants us to pray and not lose heart. And if the wicked judge gave in to this this woman, will not the your righteous, holy, loving heavenly Father will He not answer our prayers? Um, keep going, keep praying. God will avenge us, and He will answer. And it ends that parable when the Son of Man comes. Will He really find faith on the earth? Wouldn't it be an awful thing if? We, in our weariness, laid off from praying, stopped praying. And then Christ were to return and to see us in this state of weariness and lacking faith, not persisting in prayer. Surely knowing that Christ is to return again, we persist relentlessly praying to heaven. But what of that final example, the ministry and witnessing to those around us? We saw how it's very easy to grow weary in these things. And particularly, I think we see that in in our own congregation, but we also see that just simply at this time, there is barrenness. People's hearts are so hard. And 2 Corinthians 4 makes that very clear. The Bible doesn't hide away that the ministry is difficult. But it does give us perspective because it says this, Yes, The gospel is veiled, but only to those who are perishing. Only to those who are perishing. God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. And it's only those who are perishing to whom the gospel is veiled. To those who are not perishing. To those whom the Father has chosen. The gospel will not be veiled to them. They will see. They will understand. They will come to faith. They will repent. They will seek to serve the Lord and they'll be found in heaven. So keep going. We must as a congregation, we must keep uh, preaching the gospel. We must keep reaching out to the lost, even though it's hard. Yes, it's hard, but let's not grow weary in this good work. I want to conclude just with two passages for us. First of all, Hebrews chapter 12 and the opening three verses. Therefore, we also, since... We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. And I do think endurance is the better translation there uh, than patience in the King James. Because patience for us almost can be passive. Just wait and see what happens. But this, the idea here is run with endurance, with grit, with determination. Keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Keep going until the finish line. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author 
and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Are you finding yourself weary and discouraged? Look to Jesus. Consider him. Consider all that he went through and run with endurance. But then also Isaiah 40 and verses 30 and 31. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Let's pray. Ever blessed Lord God, you know that at times we grow weary in doing what is good and doing what you have called us to do. You know that there are often discouragements that come into our lives. There are afflictions. There are the pressures and the burdens of life. And Lord, you know all these things and you are compassionate upon us. We bless you that you bring to us in your word every encouragement to continue going. Help us as individuals and as families and as a congregation to not weary in doing what you have called us to do. Help us to continue step by step running with endurance. And may we wait upon the Lord and may we mount up like the eagles. May we receive strength and encouragement and grace. So Lord, bless us. For we ask all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.